Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the 14th installment in our M. Night Shyamalan movie review series. Today we are reviewing Old. This is your co-host, Corbin. I'm Alan. It's been a little while since we visited Shyamalan. We did review all 13 of his films up to this point. The last one being Glass. That came out, our review came out in December 2019. All of our Shyamalan reviews are linked below. But first, start with your guide to old. That came out last Thursday. We also have timestamps in the description. We have links to all of our different um, pages and sites. And uh, make sure to follow us on Letterboxd so you can check out and see what we're um, watching throughout the week. And of course, our Patreon page has great content and it really does help us help support us. It's a great way. And make sure to leave us five stars and a written review. It's an easy free way to help us. Alan, I'm curious. Did you see the trailer for this movie? Were you excited for old? I mean, clearly we clearly we went and saw it opening weekend because we're doing this for the review, but. Right. I'm curious, were you excited for Shyamalan's 14th outing? Uh, I gotta be honest with you, Corbin. Not entirely. Um, mostly because when we, in our last Shyamalan reviews, uh, we talked about how this seems to, he apparently is on this upswing, right? And he had a low point going all the way down to the happening. Um, but then the visit, you know, people were saying, where's like, he's starting to come back. And then the split, when Splint came out, uh, people were saying, yeah, Shyamalan is back, right? And then when we reviewed it, uh, I remember my thoughts were, you know, the visit wasn't very good. Split was all right. Uh, but then we went back to Glass, which felt like it was definitely more of a of a back step. So I got to be honest with you, Corbin. I wasn't really too enthused to watch old um, for the, or I wouldn't, I guess I'll say this, I probably wouldn't have seen it in the theater if it had not been for the podcast. I probably would have waited to see if it was any good. I, on the other hand, was excited. And that's because I have watched season one of two of Servant, which is M. Night Shyamalan's Apple TV Plus show. Mind you, he didn't write or direct every episode. He's the executive producer. He's kind of the brainchild behind it. Him and Tony Basgallup. I I think that's Tony's name. I don't know. It's something along those lines. <laughs> but Shyamalan did direct, write um, some of the episodes. And some of those episodes are phenomenal. I did review Split here on the podcast. So um, we technically had another Shyamalan review, you could say, um, after Glass. Definitely check that out. I, I think everybody should just go ahead and watch that show. If you like Shyamalan, give it a chance. It is very eerie so that's actually what got me excited for this movie ever mm -hmm. since i kind of i think there was like a super bowl spot for it um during the super bowl this year i i could be wrong about that there was some kind of small teaser i saw on tv or something that did get me very intrigued i thought it looked very intriguing very exciting um from that point on i said okay i'm not really going to watch anything else i'm curious to see this movie i knew we were going to be reviewing it later that year 
As for the actual trailer, I'm glad I stayed away. I really only knew people aged rapidly on this beach and that's it. I will say the trailer makes the movie look a little bit more exciting than it is. That's just my opinion. We're going to talk about that after the spoiler jump, but this trailer would get me in theaters. I was excited to see it. Yeah, luckily I was able to stay away from uh, any trailer, uh, any kind of plot summary, anything like that. So I, I pretty much went into this blind. I, I knew, of course, that it existed, that it was a new Shyamalan movie that was coming out, partially because we had to keep track of this since we're trying to do everything of his. Um, but as far as the poster and the name of the film, that was as much as I knew walking into this movie. Uh, and I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of glad that I stayed away from the trailer because uh, you're right. It, it does kind of paint this movie in a bit of a different light, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, except when it kind of gives too much away uh, when it comes to the events of the film. Um, so I got to say, even with the trailer, I would still be skeptical about this because of what Shyamalan has done in more recent years. Um, I'm, I've been a bit skeptical going to see his new stuff. Maybe if I had seen Servant season one, that would change, but I haven't seen that yet. Uh, so I went into this pretty skeptical in terms of its quality, open-minded, but skeptical. Well, listeners, if you haven't seen Old, go ahead and click pause right now. If you don't want the film spoiled for you, go ahead. Go, it's only in theaters. Go to your th local theater, watch the movie, and then come back and click play here on the podcast, and we'll be ready to talk about all of the spoilers. Guy, played by Gail Garcia Bernal. His wife, Prisca, played by Vicky Kripes. Daughter, Maddox, played by Alexa Swinton. And son, Trent, played by Nolan River, go on vacation to a tropical island. It's their last family vacation together before the mom and dad separate. The mom has met someone else, and she also has a supposedly benign tumor. Hoping to make it a special holiday, their resort manager, played by Gustav Hammerstein, offers to book them a private day at a special beach on the other side of the island. They accept, but before they depart, another family, led by Charles, who is a doctor, played by Rufus Sewell, along with his aging mother, very young wife, played by Abby Lee, and six-year-old daughter, go along as well. Once there, they see they're actually not alone. A famous rapper named Midsize Sedan, played by Aaron Pierre, is hanging out by himself, or so we think. The previous night, a seductive woman was with him, but she swam out to sea. Another couple joins the group, Jaren, played by Ken Luong, and Patricia, played by Nikki Amuka Bird. Their fun is cut short when Trent finds the dead woman's body wash up next to him. Charles believes mid-sized sedan to be her murderer, and the rest of the group is unsure. When Jaren tries to leave for help, they realize the beach won't let them leave. Before long, they begin to experience weird symptoms. The children age rapidly, the adults' physical health quickly deteriorates, the entire group is now in a full panic. To make matters drastically worse, Charles murders mid-sized sedan with his pocket knife. Come to find out, Charles has schizophrenia. They do save Prisca from her rapidly growing tumor, and Patricia does not experience seizures. Some are helped and some are harmed by the mysterious beach. Members of the group try swimming for help, others try climbing the rocks, but all perish. Eventually, everyone passes away either from tragedy or old age, until only Trent and Maddox are left, now played by Alex Wolfe and Thomas and Mackenzie respectively. Trent remembers his friend at the resort Idlib, played by Kaylin Jude, gave him a note to decipher. It reads, 
My uncle doesn't like the coral. His uncle happens to be the resort manager. The two decide to swim for the coral, having no other options. But before they do, they find a journal from a beachgoer who perished at the hands of the supernatural seaside. The kids, no longer children or teens, but in their early 50s, played by M. Beth Davids for Maddox and Emun Elliott for Trent, swim under the coral but seemingly perish. The hotel van driver, played by M. Night Shyamalan himself, has been spying on them the whole time, reporting on their condition and activities. He believes the two kids to have died. He returns to the resort, giving the data to the manager. Secretly, the island houses a laboratory where scientists test medication on ill vacationers. Instead of waiting a lifetime to determine results, they are able to log effects in a single day, which is a whole lifetime. They are not doing this for nefarious purposes, but altruistically doing this to share rapid medical findings with the world. All of this is done by the Warren and Warren Company. To the manager's surprise, Trent and Maddox lived. They give the notebook to a police officer. Trent met earlier on the island and the entire operation is exposed. What once were six and seven-year-old children are now middle-aged adults who leave the island for an unknown future as credits roll. First off, I want to address my thoughts on Pierre Levy's graphic novel Sandcastle, which, as I've already stated, this film is based off of the graphic novel. The premise of the two are very similar. As I read the graphic novel, I could see why Shyamalan felt like this would make a good film adaption. It is an interesting Twilight Zone-style story. And with Shyamalan's hand behind the camera and his pin on the script bringing this to life, I could see why this would be his next project. The graphic novel is uncomfortable. I would say it's not for everyone. It is far more sexualized than this movie. There are also things brought up in the graphic novel that have no payoff whatsoever, um, such as people trying to run onto the beach that are getting shot at that are from the hotel, and there's people watching them in the distance. It has a much different ending than the movie does. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. So there are significant divergences in the two mediums. Say what you will about this movie and the graphic novel. This movie is a fairly faithful adaption of the premise. I think Shyamalan makes smart choices in diverging from the source material. I personally, like I said, I found it to be uncomfortable how sexualized it is. I understand what they're trying to go with there. But I will say the one thing the graphic novel does better is giving us some food for thought at the end about the meaning of life and how we kind of trap ourselves in a prison in our lives. And it's best to just live life instead of wasting our lives away, worried about the future. We will talk about the ending of this movie here shortly and what Shyamalan is or is not trying to say. There are pros and cons to both. Personally, I'm going to come out and say right now of the two, I prefer Shyamalan's movie to the graphic novel. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm recommending that. You'll have to wait till the end or use the timestamps to jump ahead and see whether or not I recommend old. But personally, I found old to be a better telling of the story than the graphic novel. I got to say, uh, starting off this movie pretty much immediately, you 
at least for me, you get this sense of things are definitely just not as they really seem in this movie. Things just seem, um, when we when the family first rolls up to the resort, it's just too perfect, right? Just too perfect that the general manager would come out and give the mom and dad, you know, cocktails, greet the family, this kind of a thing. Uh, it just it just feels like everything is too perfect, right? And of course, that's basically what Shaman's going for, right? He wants to build this sense of unease where, you know, this is all way too perfect. You know, why is this so weird still? And I got to say, I was I was interested in that. And of course, we quickly, we quickly find out that they're, the mom and dad are kind of on rocky terms. Um, uh, rocky terms as in basically they're getting a divorce right after this vacation is over with. So I got to say, I was kind of intrigued when we got through this first few minutes of the movie where things just seem kind of strange. Mom and dad are not on the best of terms. Um, we're kind of getting into more, I guess, kind of similar or familiar Shyamalan where there's a broken family or there is something wrong with the family here, uh, which has happened in previous movies. So I was, I was pretty excited. Even though I came in kind of skeptical, I was pretty excited to see, okay, this seems like it's going towards more, uh, at least in the family aspect, going towards more classic Shyamalan. What's going to happen now? I'm I'm kind of excited to see where he's going to go. Yes, this does give me hope. I think the first act of this movie is excellent. It is well shot. It's well paced. Shyamalan gives us the hint that some things are just a little too perfect here. Um, Priska, the wife, she's saying, can you believe I just found this place online? My wife and I, we went to a tropical resort on our honeymoon. They did offer us a drink while we waited to check in, but they didn't tailor it to our needs. They definitely didn't have the manager out there to greet us. So it, it's a little too much. You're right. There is just that hint of something's not quite right here. And then, of course, we have some trouble in paradise between the husband and wife, which was a surprise to me that the family seemed pretty well adjusted until... The parents kind of have this spat all of a sudden and the kids are having fun. My my wife thought the kids looked nothing like the parents. Like she didn't believe those people would actually have kids that looked like that. Um, yeah. I guess I wasn't focusing on that too hard. But nevertheless, we are given just enough in this first act before we get down to the beach, which I, I'm appreciative Shyamalan doesn't take too long with this. I don't want it to be like Jordan Peele's Get Out, for instance, where the whole film is a series of uncomfortable feelings. There's just something not right. We get mm -hmm. um, we get the lady, Patricia, have a, she has a seizure, and um, Ch Charles, he's a doctor, but he doesn't remember the husband's name. There's just these little things that are off, but once they get down to the beach, that's when we really get into the meat of it. And I, I guess we do kind of have that surprisingly sultry scene of that lady taking off her clothes. I don't believe there's really any nudity in that scene, but there's just mm -hmm. enough of a hint of something weird is going on also with these other characters we're going to meet shortly. So it's kind of an ensemble film. Kind of gave me some 12 Angry Men vibes where all these characters are going to be thrown together and they got to work it out. Yep. Yeah, I, that's one of the things I rem uh, that this reminded me of was 12 Angry Men because once they do make it to the beach, uh, basically the entire second act is on that beach, right? Uh, they're, in fact, pretty much, 
I think about an hour and 15 minutes, maybe more is spent on this beach. And so given that 12 Angry Men is essentially filmed all in the same room. Uh, yeah, I would say that there are, you know, there are definitely some parallels there between the two of them where they're kind of play, not necessarily, I guess, playing out in real time, but something like it, right? This movie's trying to play out somewhat in real time, I guess more or less real time in the character's eyes of, you know, now they're there on the beach and they all of a sudden they start growing older and things just kind of keep happening around them. Um, kind of of a similar vibe, I guess. So that was another uh, thing I liked about it was that, you know, it, the, sen the setting is very simple. It's all pretty much done in one place um, where it's essentially just playing out in real time to these characters. It's kind of, it makes it uh, for a very, could make it for a very exhilarating movie um, when mm -hmm. you have something yeah. like a, an idea like this where they're just like kind of rapidly aging and stuff. Yeah, I'm also thinking of Hitchcock's Rope where we're just going to all be taking yeah. place in essentially one scenario and there's more than meets the eye to it. I will say my favorite thing about this movie is the cinematography. The way the camera moves across the beach, it gives us a sense of space while giving us a feeling of claustrophobia, how they can't get out there. They do some really weird stuff with the camera that I don't think I've really quite seen before in other movies. Um, mm -hmm. I was a little worried looking at the cast and crew, um, the people that he has working on this film. He worked with them on glass and maybe, maybe one or two others. I don't think it's the same people that did split. Nevertheless, I, I didn't think glass like looked particularly incredible or anything like that. Um, yeah, he, uh, I, I did think Split looked great. So it's the same DP as Split, Mike Giolucas. Yeah, he's not working with James Newton Howard on the score, even though, uh, I do like the score. Um, he just has, um, some different people working on this movie with him, but I, I think the cast and crew all did a pretty good job with what they were given. Yeah, you mentioned cinematography. Um, and I, I'll agree with you for the most part. I think that this movie is shot really unique. Uh, really uniquely and that does make it stand out a lot because there are times like uh, one of the first examples that I remember like noticing it was when they make it up to the hotel room and the camera's just kind of going back and forth between the two rooms uh, mm -hmm. and you kind of get to see the difference in family dynamics where the kids are having fun but mom and dad are not exactly on the best of terms and, and stuff like that then, oh, so yeah. there are things like that that I'm like okay that's really interesting I like the way that this looks uh, versus there are times when they're usually just short scenes uh, or short uh, takes where people are like, or for example, I think there's one where the doctor uh, is running on the beach later on in the film at night um, and the camera is like, go all of a sudden randomly just goes into shaky cam mode. I think I know what they're going for, but it doesn't, I don't think it looks quite as good. But as an overall package, I think that the cinematography here is very unique and definitely makes it stand out. I'd say it's more of a positive than it is a negative. But there are times where it just, I think it looks weird and I don't really understand what he, what Shaman's going for. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, that is one thing that I do appreciate though, at least about Shyamalan is he's willing to take some risks with how the film is edited with cinematography just across the board with all of his movies. They just mm -hmm. don't, I don't think they all look the same. I think they all kind of stand out. And I think Old does achieve that. I think the, he really does capture the vistas where when they're going down through the beach and they're kind of going through that little cave and then actually on the beach, 
there is this really interesting sense of there is just kind of these wide open spaces, but uh, there's just so many areas to explore yet they can't leave. And so mm-hmm. I really do like how it kind of takes its time. But once things do start to go awry, things do become very, very strange. I will say I am pulled into it, especially in a Twilight Zone kind of way. You realize that these people are kind of out of space and time. They're not really in almost the natural world anymore. And that's kind of the main grip of the plot for me is this really weird concept of what if your kids got older in an hour? What if you, what if your tumor metastasized? just rapidly and your body would heal Mm. super fast it's weird stuff but i mean i like it this is what Shyamalan is known for is being really creative so i like i like seeing this yeah i i I think my favorite part of this movie is just the idea and you mentioned kind of mentioned Mm -hmm. this but the idea that a group of characters related in some way um basically spend the rest of their lives stranded on a beach that they can't leave right and their entire life is going to uh, is going to end basically by the next day uh, because they're just rapidly aging. You know, how would characters act in that kind of a scenario, right? You can, I feel like you can have a ton of different character dynamics come into play there, kind of like with 12 Angry Men, where uh, they're all stuck in one boardroom until they come to a decision. I feel like something could something similar could happen here. I feel like you could have a lot of character dynamics play off of each other. The panic. But at the same time, almost being forced to come to some kind of conclusion that you're essentially going to die here. And, you know, that kind of, and is your life, was your life worth dying on this beach now? You know, are you going to be remembered? That kind of a thing are all fears that I feel would come out of characters give if they were put inside this kind of a situation. We'll talk about uh, if I think Shyamalan does a good job later. But the idea of this film is wildly intriguing to me. Uh, and makes you kind of want to read the uh, graphic novel because it's such an interesting idea to have characters spend the rest of their lives stuck on a beach, rapidly aging. What will they do? That's such an interesting idea. To me, it feels like a short story come to life. And mm-hmm. that's honestly the kind of movies I really like to see when they get made. It's not very often and more or less it, it is. It's a short graphic novel and it and it has come to life here on the big screen. I love it when that happens because short stories are usually far more inventive and creative than anything you will see on the big screen most of the time is because they don't have the corporate overlords to please. It really is just born out of passion for the story. The Everything serves the story. It serves the characters. It serves the purpose of mm-hmm. being interesting, intriguing of entertaining. So that's why that is one of the things about this movie that I'm appreciating. They are taking chances. They're doing something different and it doesn't seem to quite be about the money. Now they do have some decently famous people in here, some rising stars as well, but nevertheless, I don't ever feel like these actors get in the way as like, Oh yeah, I know that person from such and such. And They're just, you know, playing themselves or playing this part as well. I didn't find any of those actors. I don't, most people that don't watch movies very often probably won't recognize most of these people. I recognized 
a majority of them, almost all of them. But I do appreciate that. I think the actors bring their A game of being portraying very distressed, very troubled roles until there is kind of that poignant moment when the family is all that's left and they just kind of kind of come to terms. They they did never leave each other. They grew old together. They all grew up together all within the span of a few hours. And there's that gorgeous shot of the mom walking down to the ocean waves in the twilight and the moon is just shining down on her. And so mm-hmm. I was very, I was very pleased with the acting. I thought they did a pretty good job. Uh, I think for the main characters, I think I'll agree with you. Uh, I think the main characters definitely do the best job in this movie where they definitely have the best performance when it comes to portraying the panic, portraying, you know, all of a sudden this person just died, you know, do- the doctor's mom just died out of nowhere, right? Like um, I think the main characters, the main family that we focus on, they are definitely the best actors. I think that there are a couple of roles uh, where the acting is not so great, and that might not be a thing for the actors. It could just be the the script that they're handed. Uh, for instance, the great, the best example I can go towards for not so great acting is when the baby dies, and oh, what's her name? Uh, Patricia, yeah, Patricia, just uh, like is like kind of s- screaming and also trying to make sense of everything. She's like, "Can't we at least talk about what just happened?" And it comes <laughs> off completely the wrong way, right? Uh, it comes off more of, "No, no, this is going towards the side of Shyamalan that I don't want to see." Uh, mm-hmm. It comes off a lot cheesier than it did, more of a panic role. And it's the same with her husband. Her husband, um, his name is Jaron. It's kind of the same way where they, it feels like they're definitely a family who like wants to talk, let's talk about it kind of a thing, but it comes off kind of, kind of cheesy. I think they were the weakest links in terms of acting. And like I said, it could just be, and I'm guessing it's more of a script thing more than an actual talent or acting thing. So for me, I can't agree with you part way, uh, but there are also characters here that I don't think were acted very well. The only thing that I felt didn't really work, I felt like it was trying to be a little too horrifying than it really needed to be, was when the kids go into the cave and the, you know, self-conceited young wife is in there and her bones Mm -hmm. keep breaking and then um, healing in the wrong positions, which is very creepy and weird, of course. But nevertheless, that was like, yeah, once once the baby does die and she can't handle her six-year-old daughter is now a grown woman and she dies as well trying to climb the cliffs. I was never very much into her performance, so I'm not saying 100% of the actors did great, but I mean, of of course, we got to admit M. Night Shyamalan's probably the best actor in this movie. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just <laughs> kidding, of course. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, of course, um, of course. <laughs> yeah, like even the hotel, even the resort manager, I, I didn't find his performance to be great per se, but as far as the core characters go, I'm talking about the mom, dad, the kids, the doctor, um, some of those people. I was very invested in kind of their deterioration throughout it. I, I will say this. Uh, when you mentioned the scene with... Uh uh, when Crystal goes in the cave after she can't really handle her daughter dying and the baby dying and whatnot, mm-hmm. and she becomes like this, mm-hmm. and she she becomes like something like this old haggard old woman at that point. <laughs> right. um, I'm I'm mm. with you. It's a weird scene. I think visually it was for me uh, one of the better ones 
from mm. a visual standpoint because it is just weird. You only have the light from the matchstick. And so mm -hmm. you only see her briefly. And the, the very last time you see her, she's like all kinds of contorted because her bones broken oh, yeah. the wrong place, broken then healed in the wrong places. Visually, I think it's a really uh, well done scene. It's also kind of cheesy because she just starts flailing, flailing around at one point <laughs> and keeps breaking her bones and they keep healing it. And that's when logically it's kind of like what in the world? From a visual standpoint, I think it does look quite good and is quite creepy to me. There, there definitely is some cringy moments where, you know, I squeezed my wife's hand and I'm I'm cringing. I'm like, oh, gosh, not in a bad way, mind you. I mean, mm -hmm. in a in a legitimate cringing of Ugh, that is disgusting. That's terrifying. That's troubling. So he does right. do a good job of at least doing that. Um, doesn't quite carry that all the way through. Um, I will say one of the disappointing things, and I'm not sure if it is disappointing, that's why we're here to talk about it, is mm -hmm. there is kind of this tightrope between exposition dumping where they are figuring out what's going on, but at the same time, these characters would realistically have this exploratory dialogue. They would talk it out with each other, but at the same time, you don't want to just be explaining things to the audience. Do you know where I'm talking about, Alan, where they are? No. Yeah, figuring it I, out. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm for me, I think I'm on it's not a good thing side. I think it's a more of a disappointment to me. Um, and I wrote down in my notes that uh, it's not exactly letting the audience kind of figure it out for themselves, right? They're just kind of telling the audience, oh, this beach is, is playing with time. That's a line <laughs> in this movie, right? That yeah. They're playing with time. And, you know, the one, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jarring, when he tries to like logically explain it, uh, is when I feel like they're just, they're explaining too much, right? I feel like with a movie like this, you could almost leave almost everything in mystery. Um, and I think it would almost make it a bit more intriguing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm with you. I think that there is definitely a fine line between, you know, how do you portray the panic and the, like the logic when it comes to these characters trying to make sense of the situation uh, without making it feel like just an exposition dump. I, I, I think for me, it, it goes down towards the, it's more of a disappointment because it is an exposition, exposition dump at the end of the day. Uh, and it feels like one. And the, you know, this does bring me to kind of my greatest disappointment of the film is halfway through, you realize there's really nothing else left to the story, to the yeah. movie. Of course, our protagonists have to triumph and escape, it seems like, but there's no greater depth to it whatsoever. There's no bigger turn. The excitement is really done with. I mean, I was really hoping it would go bananas somehow. There would be something really crazy to jumpstart it. To me, it's kind of like a paper airplane. You throw it and it soars through the air for a while, but it's got to come down eventually. And I really was, I really was, that's why I didn't read the graphic novel first. I really was hoping there was going to be a twist like The Sixth Sense or like Split mm -hmm. or maybe not like Signs. That one isn't the best, but or like Unbreakable or something where it is able to sustain itself. But to me, it just kind of stalls halfway through and you're like, okay, this is yep. it. Yep. And for me, I when when it was all said and done, right, I, I had a feeling, actually, I didn't have a feeling. I pretty much figured that there was going to be a twist in this movie. It's in that Shyamalan, he's known for that kind of a thing, right? Oh, yeah. uh, 
so I was, when the movie ended, I'm just thinking to myself, this almost could do without one. I feel like, you know, had it been played right, not done the twist where, oh, it was some laboratory scheme the whole time, right? Uh, you know, had not having that, would this have been a more powerful tale on, you know, you know, are you living your life where if you were to die at any moment, you know, would it be one that you feel is successful or would you be happy with it? Or, you know, that kind of a thing though. You could ask those kinds of questions, but they kind of do, but you, you hit the nail on the head, Corbin, once it gets about an hour or so in not even that once they hit the beach and get about, you know, a few minutes into everyone going crazy, that's all it really has to offer. Unfortunately, um, which is, you know, it's saying a lot when your movie is an hour or is an hour and 45 minutes or so. Uh, but, you know, after a certain point, nothing really is developed any farther. So I'm with you. You know, had this been played differently, maybe we could have, you know, gone down very existential routes than they kind of do. But it's nothing that I find to be very interesting, unfortunately. They kind of do. I mean, we, we do have a sentimental moment where the husband is losing his eyesight and they're just mm -hmm. growing wrinkles on the face. But I was hoping for a little more dialogue that would wrap around to their fight in the beginning. Uh, people, you know, kind of have their own sidebar dialogue. We We kind of get this action scene where... Charles goes crazy and starts slashing everybody up, but their body keeps healing. And uh, I was really hoping for some some more Lord of the Flies type thing where there is more, there's more of a layer to it. It's not just that these kids are stranded, but there's much more of a deeper subtext to the conch cell and different things as well. There's really no, nothing like that to grapple onto on this, in this movie. There's really no higher symbolism to it or whatsoever. I really wasn't necessarily like demanding that going into this. You know, I was just hoping for a very fun Hitchcockian type thriller. And, you know, Hitchcock has some definitely some cultural commentary or societal commentary in Rope, for instance. But nevertheless, there's just there's not much here. And even speaking of the twist of we saw those kind of like flashing lights up on the hills. I was really curious to know what that was. Come to find out it's M. Night Shyamalan himself spying on them the whole time, just recording data. And then you I mean, I, I, I'm curious to know what you think, Alan, the Shyamalan twist or the resolution is very just kind of meh. Um, actually, I did want to address something really quick before I go there. Um, address what you said. You're right. I was actually kind of hoping this movie, if this movie just would have ended at a certain point with the family, maybe just on the beach or something, I think it might have just been more okay with that. It would have been a yeah. very somber ending or it would have been much more thought provoking, but he just had to tack on too much there at the end that just really kind of took the wind out of the sails for me. Yeah, I feel like when it comes to the twist, uh, underwhelming, I think, is the best oh, yeah. way to explain how I feel about it. It's it's I, I, I think that there could be a twist here um, that maybe played deeper into what the film is going for or, or you know felt like it had more of a connection to it, right? Because Shyamalan twists, when they're good, they recontextualize the entire movie, right? Sixth Sense is probably one of the greatest twists known to man when it comes to 
Hollywood cinema, right? Mm -hmm. Where it just completely recontextualizes, you know, the entire film. So when you watch it again, it's a it's a totally different experience when you first watch that movie, right? That's a good. That's a really good twist. In recent years, the Shyamalan twist has been kind of strange, and this one's no different. This one's, to me, underwhelming because I don't really know why. You know, we've been having this movie where people are like rapidly aging and dying on a beach, and now we're in a lab. Uh, and I get it, right? They're doing tests. They're running like essentially human trials on a beach where they can test long-term effects of medicine, find whatever. But what does that have to do with uh, with much of anything, right? It just kind of feels like it's a twist for twist's sake, right? Everything's not as it seems, right? The the resort is actually just an evil corporation or whatever you want to call it. It's a laboratory for testing medicine, which has been which is sketchy at best. <laughs> So mm-hmm. underwhelming, I think, to me, is the best way to describe the twist here. It really is. I mean, I was hoping for, I know how Split was a secret sequel to Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. I was trying to see if this was maybe going to tie in because Glass kind of ended on a note of there could be something else to come after it. I was wondering if this would somehow tie into Glass or if it somehow could have been a secret prequel to split and because we saw rufus sewell's character had schizophrenia and um james mcavoy's character had all those multiple personalities what if somehow on this beach the beast was born and this exacerbated his mental illness and that's how the beast could have been born and he escaped the beach and i don't know i think that really would have done a lot more for me if this was actually a secret prequel to split than anything that's the only thing that i could think of but you're right alan i was like you know what Shyamalan's back he's going to do the Shyamalan twist it's going to blow our minds and mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing you just right. find out it's m night Shyamalan himself recording the data and he gives it to them and i mean i, I once again intriguing idea what if we could do medical trials on a person's lifetime but within the span of a day interesting idea but honestly nobody cares I mean, right. there was portions of this. Um, there's one scene in the in the movie where um, the audio goes completely silent. My theater was dead silent. I was so impre- impressed with that and so intrigued how everybody was so engrossed in it. And then by the mm-hmm. time the movie's done, I can tell everybody's just kind of ready to go home. Everybody's just kind of like, yeah. yeah, yeah, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably my biggest disappointment, I guess we've kind of talked about it. It, it goes along with, you know, once you reach a certain point in this story, essentially that's all there is to see right yeah uh yeah. after a certain point in this movie well once they reach the beach and things start to happen um it very quickly becomes you know very repetitious where the same thing just kind of keeps happening over and over again for basically an hour straight where mm-hmm. something will happen and all the characters will rush to see what in the world was that to and all of a sudden find that somebody's not doing so good or somebody just died or whatever then it happens again, and then it happens. It just it does that for an hour straight, uh, and after a certain point, it gets to be very tiring because it's just the same thing over and over again. And so I mentioned earlier, right? Had this been played a little bit differently, you know, we could have had a movie that dives deep into existentialism when it comes to you know the end of your life kind of thing, right? They kind of play with it here as we've been talking about, but it's not 
like, I guess what I was expecting and not uh, played out in the way that is very intriguing, right? My initial thought was, well, what if somebody like Charlie Kaufman got his hands on this idea for a story of people in their lives on a beach, right? That would be wildly interesting. And I would love to see so if if went down if they went down the route of like a Charlie Kaufman-esque story, kind of like Synecdoche, New York, of like these characters in existentialism on this beach. Of course, they don't go down that route. They it's a very different story. But like I mentioned, after a certain point, and it just dives, it just dives into repetition of the same thing over and over again for an hour straight. It Unfortunately, that's when the movie began to lose me was when I found out it's just going to be the same thing for the rest of the film. It's yeah. very unfortunate. Yeah, we also get this kind of duex id lib here at the end where he just so Trent just so happens to remember id lib wrote him a second secret message that just says my uncle doesn't like the coral and they just swim through it and they're saved. And I don't even know why Shyamalan tries to make us think they died in the reef. It's pretty obvious that they lived and that's just being set up for another surprise. And right. of course, we had to set up in the beginning, they meet a police officer that they can give the notebook to. And mm. it's all just a very kind of poor ending. It just leaves me a on a little bit of a sour note. Um, I couldn't also help but think Shyamalan's trying to pull some inspiration from Jurassic Park with the two children Steven Spielberg created, how they get off the island safely as well, um, except this time these kids become adults. So that ending is just so weird. And to me, this just is like, okay, this is just kind of a one hit wonder where once you see it once, I just don't think there's going to be much rewatchability with this film. There's mm -hmm. not going to be anything to decipher. Now, if you're talking, like you said, The Sixth Sense or The Village, once you find out the end, that puts the entire movie in a whole new light. And you just like, I can't wait to go rewatch it and look for these things to see if it stays consistent. There's nothing like that here. And I, I really think right. there was plenty of opportunity for that. Um, I also really don't like that there's two endings to this movie where it just kind of goes to black and you think that's the end. And then all of a sudden it cuts back to the helicopter scene where I'm like, okay, this is it. Shyamalan was giving us kind of a false ending to set us up for a greater twist. There's nothing here as well. The kids like, how would your aunt feel if you left when she, when you were six and you came back and you're 50 and that's the end. That's the end. Right. What kind of an ending is that? Right. It's, yeah, like I mentioned, kind of what we've been talking about, right? This idea is so good. It's so interesting. But unfortunately, you know, when you have a, when you have a twist, usually you want it to uh, play into the movie a little bit more. I, I didn't really feel that here. It, that's why I, I think we are kind of in agreement. The twist is pretty meh when it all comes down to it. It doesn't really make the film, it doesn't really like recontextualize a film. It doesn't make it, you know, any different necessarily, except to, I guess, explain why they got there or whatever, you know, that they were handpicked because they all have something medically wrong with them. And it comes to one of the family member. Um, it's, it's a, it's a strange twist. Um, and I gotta say it's, it's one where again, had they not had it, I think this movie would have been a lot more powerful because I think that they're going for something here. It's unfortunately just overshadowed by what, uh, I guess, trying to make sense of everything when it all comes down to it. 
I, I wish that, you know, had they left some things in the dark and not explained it, then maybe there would have been more intrigue here. There would have been maybe uh, more to go with, maybe more avenues to explore. I don't know, but yeah. Well, Alan, that does make me very curious then because we are kind of like the critics and audiences. There's some really good stuff here, but there's also some eh, just stuff that really falls flat. That leads me to my question. What is your rating and recommendation for Old? Old is a unfortunately disappointing film with an idea that's so intriguing from the outset. It unfortunately just falls flat. Had it been a different director, had it been a different take, had it been, you know, done differently, uh, this could be a very powerful, powerful story about, you know, are you living your life to the fullest or, you know, anything else to do with the exploration of existentialism uh, when it comes to the human psyche or, you know, what a, what a person would go through at the end of their life, right? Something like that. Anything like that would have made this film wildly more interesting. Unfortunately, it just devolves after a certain point into this repetitious uh, scream fest of people trying to make sense of what's going on in the island, but never really given enough time for things to kind of set in and really and really bite down deep. And fortunately, it's kind of like the, uh, uh, I guess, how with the doctor, right? He attacks people, but their wounds keep healing. You know, it, at first it's like, oh, this is so interesting before it quickly closes up because there's not really much there at the begin, to begin with. I'm going to give it a four out of 10. Uh, I think there are some good elements here. Cinematography is wildly unique. It's again, its idea is very interesting. Unfortunately, when it's all said and done, there's just not much here. So four out of 10, I'm going to say you can probably skip this one, not recommend. M. Night Shyamalan's Old is his closest attempt to achieving the second coming of Alfred Hitchcock. Featuring engrossing cinematography, powerful performances, and an intriguing plot, Old had me gripped for the first half. I was seriously impressed that Shyamalan is back to his phenomenal storytelling roots. That is, until I realized halfway through, the rest of the film really had nothing else to offer. Their dramatic intrigue was gone, and the twist, if you can call it that, more or less fell flat. I could audibly hear my fellow audience members holding their breath while chaos unfolded, but once the second ending hit, the man next to me was already putting his seat down. Unfortunately, the balloon doesn't really pop here, it just deflates. I still enjoyed this movie more than my wife, whose dislikes outweighed her likes, and I will return to it, but it's middle-of-the-road Shyamalan for me. It's just alright. And judging by what he's doing with Servant on Apple TV Plus and Split a couple years ago, I was hoping for a bit more. But nevertheless, it shows his career still has promise. Old receives 6 stars out of 10 with the mild recommend. Well, this is a deja vu because I gave Glass a 6 out of 10 mild recommend. You gave Glass 4 out of 10, just no recommend. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess my initial fears were, I guess, somewhat correct. I'll, I got to say, it honestly was a little bit better than I, than I was wondering if it was going to be. Uh, I, yeah. wonder, I was partially thinking, is this going to be another, like, glass situation is this going to be another 
hopefully not that happening situation. I think it's better than both of those. So just looking across all of your scores now, Alan, you have only recommended four out of 14 of Shyamalan's films, giving you an average rating of four out of 10. I color code all of our ratings. Um, one to four is red. So much red. It's a majority red uh, for you, which leads me to believe you don't like M. Night Shyamalan movies pretty much at all. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Uh, for the most part, I don't think that uh, M. Night Shyamalan films are necessarily my cup of tea. Uh, yeah. There are definitely some great ones, which are more closer to his earlier films like Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, etc. Um, Split was pretty good, but I remember being kind of, eh, it's all right. It's good, but not great, like a lot of people were saying. So I got to say... Overall, I'm not super impressed. Not necessarily my cup of tea here. You know, for me, once again, Shyamalan is just very middle of the road mediocre. He has some, he has three great movies, two good movies, and everything else is just okay to bad. I've given out like a lot more fives, which are still mild, not recommends, but they're just very, very much middle of the road. Alan and I, I guess you could, I just keep using the word split. I keep, I can't get away from the word split, which just so happens to be one of his movies. But yeah, Alan and I are split, not a wide chasm or anything, but I tend to think his movies are a little better. Um, my average rating is six out of 10, which does factor out to be a mild recommend across all of his films. Um, mm -hmm. I am curious, though, Alan, where are you going to rank this one? What are you putting this between? You don't have to rank all 14, but just between which and which movies would you put it? Yeah, uh, let's see. It would. I think it would go right above glass. Um, I don't even remember what I what my rankings were. I tried to go looking for it and I couldn't find it. I got to say, I'm going to probably put it a little bit above glass, um, which still is not saying very much. So that's probably where I put it. Yeah, I am right there with you. I'm putting it one above glass, one below signs. So for me, it sits right in between um, signs and glass. I personally gave um, signs. I gave a seven out of 10. This is a six. I also gave glass a six, but I do think it is better than most of his movies, I guess you could say. I do think there is... Oh, that be five movies that are better than this, but there's one, two, three, six, eight of his other movies that I think are worse than this. So this really just puts it kind of smack dab in the middle for me as mm -hmm. far as my rankings go. Yeah. I am curious, Alan. I mean, you didn't seem to really like this movie, but there was stuff you liked. Will you own this one in your collection? Is this a pickup or pass? Uh, probably will pass on it. Um, yeah, I'll probably pass on this one. Uh, I probably won't remember too much about it in a few <laughs> days' time anyways. You know, I'm going to pick it up. I do want to just own all of Shyamalan's movies, even though I don't like all of them. I'm not a completionist for everything about movies, but for Shyamalan, I do just want to own them all because I think his oeuvre of work, say what you will, I don't like a lot of it, but it still is interesting to me how this director has done like every genre pretty much now. I'm, I'm still waiting for the musical. Maybe we'll get that one next. 
Well, Alan, what else do you recommend? You don't recommend this one, but do you recommend anything else our listeners check out after this? Uh, yeah, we've already kind of talked about it. 12 Angry Men. Um, I'm going to recommend that. It's got a similar premise um, in terms of the idea of the premise where it's just a bunch of characters that get together uh, basically almost as if it plays out in real time um, throughout the as if that's the movie. Right. Um, so 12 Angry Men is one of them. And I'm also going to recommend something else. I've recommended it. I've recommended it in the past um a few podcasts ago climax uh it's a french canadian french film um that essentially is about a bunch of dancers uh who have a party one night in their like dance studio and all of a sudden they kind of just start going all nuts and it's put out all in real time it's got some really unique camera uh work and really unique story so I'm going to recommend Climax. Of course, going into Climax, know that it is a very heavy film um, and definitely not one that's uh, super appropriate, but unique and insane nonetheless. So those are my two that I would recommend. I'm going to be recommending Picnic at Hanging Rock. It is an Australian film from 1975. It has some very similar vibes of kind of a landmark that is very mysterious and powerful and very troubling. It's a great film. I'm also going to be recommending Cabin in the Woods since I felt more or uh, less this cribbed a lot of ideas from that movie. Um, I'm also going to be recommending The Most Dangerous Game, which uh, was a short story, but they did turn it into a... They've remade it a lot, but I'm recommending the black and white version with Faye Ray. She shot that simultaneously with King Kong. Check out our review of King Kong to learn more about that. And my final recommendation will be The Father. I think that movie dealt with parent-child relationships in the context of aging, physical, and mental illness, also starring Rufus Sewell in a much deeper way than this ever even tries to. Mm -hmm. Well, listeners, Friday, February 17th, 2023, that is currently the set release date Universal has put for the untitled M. Night Shyamalan Thriller 2. So our review will drop 10 days later. Of course, if something changes, we'll adjust the schedule accordingly. Otherwise, we'll see you back here for Shyamalan's 15th film in one year, six months, and 25 days. I'm hoping Shyamalan can take some of his criticism. He's got about a year and a half on this one. I'm hoping he'll take some of this and he'll really do something really special. Nevertheless, Alan, even though we don't always like his movies i'm always interested to say the least what he will do next yeah uh i guess for me i wasn't i'm not so interested uh <laughs> not yet at least okay. um we'll see when the next one comes around well listeners the question after the show is if you could age rapidly would you want to be older and why at this point no I don't. I can already do. I'm an adult. I can do everything an adult can do. I'm already married. I, I don't want to. Now, if I was a teenager, I think I probably would want to grow up to be a little bit older. Um, just so I could probably be married and do more different adult things, kind of own a house, own, you know, nicer cars, different things like that. Maybe that's the only reason I'd want to age right now. So I could just have like really nice stuff. I could cash out mm. my 
Roth IRA and and really do some fun stuff with the money. So that's my reasoning. Yeah, I'm going to say no. I'm going <laughs> to leave it as if life were playing out normally because okay. <laughs> I don't want to get older. I'm already 25 and I don't want to get any older. Maybe yeah, maybe if I was a kid, maybe I would change my mind. But now that I'm 25, nah. All right, listeners. Well, make sure to join us next week as we review Candyman, the original 1992 movie leading up to the brand new film coming out in theaters next month. I saw the trailer before this one. It looks really exciting. And if you're wanting something a little lighter, we just finished our Looney Tunes trilogy, Space Jam, Looney Tunes Back in Action, and Space Jam, A New Legacy. We just wrapped up that trilogy of films. That is fun for the whole family. Can't necessarily say that about old. Definitely don't let your kids watch Candyman. It's not about candy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but nevertheless, we're going to be reviewing all four Candyman films. You're not going to want to miss that. And of course, if you want to know what else is coming up on the schedule after that, we do have a link below to the schedule. So make sure to check out and see what else we are reviewing for the rest of the year. Alan, thanks for joining me. Sure thing. All right, listeners, we will see you next week with... Candyman. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube Facebook, and Twitter page, and of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. Father Guy, well, he's not, a, he's not a priest. Hold on, let me rephrase that. His wife, Prisca, played by Vicky Kripes. Daughter, Maddox, played by Alexa Swinton. And son, Trent, played by Nolan River. I didn't say... There's something I found on the It's because I said Alexa. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> no, stop Alexa. it. Alexa. The stress is on the middle Alexa, stop. Gosh. All right, I got a muter. I'll, I'll, I'll mute her and re redo that.
She's like a little kid, not even, just keeps going, won't even listen to you. <laughs>